Welcome to Healing the Spirit, a space where we awaken our creativity, deepen our connections, and remember who we are through the lens of astrology, archetypes, and art making. I'm your host, Jonathan Coe. Hello everyone, welcome to Healing the Spirit and welcome to this episode. I'm going to be sharing with you some of my contemplations, reflections, thoughts about the week ahead, which is the week of uh, September 11, 2023. And yeah, as always, I invite you to tune inwards and to allow yourself to really um, let whatever is coming up for you really surface and to trust that that's exactly what you're supposed to be working with. So on Thursday this week, the 14th, we have a new moon in Virgo. And to me, this new moon in Virgo is extremely ferocious and extremely delicious. It is in a close trine to Uranus, uh, which is currently retrograde in Taurus. And it's in a less close trine to Jupiter, which is also retrograde in Taurus, and Pluto, which is currently retrograde in Capricorn. On Friday the 15th, Mercury stations direct, and Mercury will somewhat move slowly until give or take September 24th, um, although it will be moving direct. And the sun, which is currently in Virgo, will trine Uranus, uh, which is in Taurus. And then on the 17th, on Sunday, we have uh, Venus in Leo, square in Jupiter in Taurus. So I want to invite you into a little exercise here. And this is completely optional. If you're not into this, you can just listen to me talk and not do anything. But... Um, if it feels available and accessible to you at this moment, I invite you to begin feeling into your solar plexus. So your solar plexus is really, I describe it as like your inner belly. So it's not really like the front of your belly, um, but I really feel it as like the middle of your belly. And I want you to in whatever ways feel good and feel accessible to you, begin breathing through your nose and to allow as you breathe this inhale for your solar plexus to expand. The solar plexus is both an area in the body and it's also energetic. And exhale normally through the nose, and just allowing yourself to breathe a little bit more deeply a few times into your solar plexus, into the center of your belly. And begin noticing if that shifts your experience. For me, immediately as I breathe into my belly, what I'm beginning to notice is an increased awareness of my environment. I notice myself in relationship with the objects that are in front of me, around me.
And so the reason why I am inviting us to do this, and you can continue this practice as you're listening to me uh, share some of my thoughts about the astrology and the energy of the week. This area of the body in the Japanese cosmology is called the Hara, and in the Chinese cosmology is called the Lower Dantian. And this is the seat of our power. In modernity, we understand our belly as our gut instinct, right? Like this is where um, we maybe get a signal on a bodily level when we say, hmm, that doesn't sit right with me on a gut level, right? Or my gut is telling me that the situation is going to go this way, right? And I think especially if we live in the Western world, um, or what we conceptualize now as the Western part of the world, we kind of have a weird relationship, right, with this part of our body because um, it's often considered as this inconvenience, you know. Um, we often feel like we need to suck our bellies in and our bellies are where all the fat goes, right? It's like it needs to look a certain way for us to be okay with it. So this is interesting to consider because this hasn't always been the case if you look at other cultures. And to me, the 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 solar plexus area, the Hara, the lower Dantian, is going to be playing a really important role for some of the... Um, energetics that are going on with the astrology for this coming week. Um, so it's a really simple practice, right? And um, just even noticing, I like to actually start by not being super subtle about this, right? I like to really kind of fill up my belly and then um, exhale pretty slowly and very completely. I think the part about exhaling completely is very important. Um, but this is something you can do while you are um, in the midst of conversations with others, right? Or waiting for your Starbucks order um, while driving a car or commuting to work, right? Just really allowing yourself to breathe into this lower part of your body, slightly lower part, right? And to start accessing the intelligence that the gut has. Um, and perhaps more importantly, right, um, I think the practice itself, the breathing practice, is really supportive just in general. For me, whenever I'm um, facilitating or whenever I'm, even like before I record this episode, um, I find it really supportive to really breathe into this part of my body because immediately um, I start feeling myself becoming more grounded. And it's interesting, right? Because in some ways, it's like I'm not thinking about, you know, uh, specifically grounding, right? But there is something about distribu distributing your energy or your attention into this lower part, into your gut, that then in my experience, really helps me become more aware of the responses that are coming from the belly when I'm about to make decisions, right? So uh, this may be interesting for you to um, experiment as well throughout the week, you know, as things come up. And as you heard, we have some Uranian energy running through the collective uh, 
cosmic soup. And so I do sense that for some of us, there may be uh, opportunities to make decisions based on situations that don't feel like it's totally in our wheelhouse. And so I'm finding that, you know, especially if I breathe through my nose and, you know, in and out through my nose and al allow the breath to fill up the belly, almost like as if the belly is um, uh, the basin of a lake, right? Um, I find that that helps me find this connection, you know, between my whole being. And um, so, yeah, you might want to experiment with this and just try feeling into what is my gut telling me about my life right now? or this decision right now, or this situation, or this relationship. As I mentioned, this new moon feels very powerful, very potent, very pungent for me. Um, when I sense into this new moon, the emotion that was coming up for me was grief around um, what feels like a process of shedding, a process of decaying, um, that a lot of us are moving through, and also the sense of um, kind of a loss of innocence, you know, and and um, it it carries a certain kind of stoic grief around it. Um, I also was sensing with this new moon um, a smell of labdanum. I don't know if any of you have smelled labdanum, but it's this resin from a rock rose plant, and it kind of has this musky, leather-like, animalistic smell. And I also heard this phrase when I sat with the energy of this new moon in Virgo of uh, revel in the decay, for in death there is new life. So I think this is super spot on. Um, I, I then, after I sat with the energy of it, I did a little bit more research into the chart of the new moon and various um, resources. And, and to me, um, all of it really tracks, right? Like there's something about this new moon that has to do with um, working with the totality of this experience of shedding, right? Yes, there will be grief, but there's also a sense of um, renewing a certain vow, a certain devotion to a frequency, to an energy that we are in service to. It's about allowing ourselves to shed the cloak of the identity that's been keeping us safe and has glued together our reality thus far, but maybe if we were to be totally honest with ourselves, hasn't been nourishing for a while. And those of you who have been listening to the podcast and the contemplation episodes know that um, in my opinion and in my experience, this has been going on for a little while now for us, right? Um, starting with the Venus retrograde and then Mercury going retrograde, and then we have all of these planets going retrograde, right? So I think that the shedding has been um, gradual, or if not gradual, then happening in multiple stages, right? But I think this to me, this the energy of this week and this particular new moon feels kind of like almost like the last push, you know, before we start turning directions a little bit, where the attention um, beginning um, 
the starting the end of the week, right? Starting Friday as Mercury stations direct, to me, there's a bit of a pivot in the energy. But with this new moon specifically, um, I think there is, um, yeah, I'm kind of getting an image of many of us under the dark sky where the moon is completely out of sight, stepping out of one skin and allowing the growth of the next one. Virgo as an archetype, as a sign, as an energy has taught me a lot about what it means to be in process. Virgo is the bacteria within our gut, right, that kind of breaks down food so that not only do we have space for more food when we get to release food out of our bodies, right, um, it's not just the, the bacteria that uh, allows for the digestive process to happen, but it's also important to remember that the digestive process is about breaking down nutrients so that they can be distributed throughout the body, right? And so there is something about the Virgo energy, the Virgo archetype that has to do with um, the process of continually tending to something, right? Um, continually tending to aliveness means that you also need to continually tend to decay, one way to think about this is um, is thinking about eating. You know, again, <laughs> I don't know why I keep being drawn to this um, imagery of eating, right? That if we continue intaking food without being able to uh, somehow release that food out of our system, um, we'll pretty much die, you know, pretty soon right? You can see this with uh, ecosystems, you know, for example, when you have a, a spot, right, or a particular uh, ecosystem that has a lot of deers, um, if there are too many deers beyond uh, homeostasis, beyond the point of balance, then you'll start to see that over time, um, the number of deers will start becoming reduced, right? Because there's not enough food. So there has to be, in order for us to bring in new things, in order for us to serve um, the frequencies, the energies, the purpose that we want to serve with clarity and with um, a sense of direction and a sense of devotedness, often we have to look around and we have to really become very clear about what's not coming with us to the next stage, right? And again, like I mentioned, I think this process has been going on for a while, but with this new moon, I think there's um, a really potent energy that can really help us move through this process with not just ease, but almost like a ravenous, um, forward-moving direction, right? To deepen further into the Virgo archetype, this new moon is happening uh, in the third decan of Virgo. So um, some of you may know that each zodiac sign consists of 30 degrees. And so each of the 10 degrees, right? The, there's the first 10 degree, which is the first decan, uh, and then the second decan and the third decan, right? And in Austin Kopic's book, 36 Faces, 
this third decan of Virgo, I believe that the the new moon is happening uh, at 21 degree Virgo, is represented by the sarcophagus. And here's a little excerpt from Austin Coppock's book. The last decan of Virgo shows the fate of all matter to be brought to perfection and then crumble to dust. For there is not created which is invulnerable to the ever-shifting tides of generation and corruption. The spirit gazes upon its inevitable separation from matter here, contemplating the consequences of its brief union. So, pretty potent, pretty pungent, as I mentioned. And I think what's exciting about this new moon, at least for me, is that this new moon is receiving all kinds of support. There's a lot of trines going on here from the other, um, from the other earth signs, right? So we have Uranus and Taurus creating a trine to this Virgo new moon, right? And Uranus is uh, often associated with surprises, with um, things that are beyond our control, right? This electric energy that runs through us, through our experiences, that often we can't really fully comprehend and we absolutely cannot control. And I think what's important to contemplate, you know, or one thing we can contemplate with this Uranus and Taurus trining the Virgo new moon is where in your life or when in your life have surprises in your life or you know events that are outside of your control and expectations contributed to your resilience to your flexibility to your skillfulness and to your resources right all of these words resilience flexibility skillfulness and resources to me all are virgo traits right virgo virtues uh for <laughs> pun intended um there is something about the kind of resilience that Virgo has that is to me deeply rela- related, right? And, and connected to Virgo's ability to be flexible. Virgo is a mutable sign, right? Virgo understands the importance of shifting things around, of reorganizing things, right? And, and knows that ultimately, if everything in the universe is made out of energy, right, then matter is simply one form of um, coalescence or crystallization of that energy, right? And as that form breaks away, it creates, uh, there's possibility here, right? We are re-entering into the void and from the void, as the void gains traction and momentum, as energy begins to um get more and more dense, it will create new form, right? And there's something really exciting about the dissolution because in some ways, the surprises that lead to the dissolution or that really surprising moment of dissolution, right, of um, breaking apart is um, in some ways the way that reality works in order to create new form. And then we have Pluto in Capricorn creating a trine to to the Virgo new moon, right? And Pluto has to do with power. And so one thing to contemplate is perhaps remembering a time when you found yourself feeling powerless, right? That ultimately 
taught you a skill, right? Where maybe you, um, from the feeling of powerlessness, you you learn to channel that to teach yourself a skill, teach yourself a knowledge, a framework, a lesson that you're now able to turn into a form of service for your life and for those around you. And Jupiter and Taurus, um, trining the Virgo new moon, to me has to do with, you know, is there anything that we've learned? Specifically, I would say in the past week, because Jupiter just began its retrograde uh, last week, about is there something that we've been learning recently about patience that, um, you know, the, the kind of patience that's necessary in order for us to achieve the level of um, skill that we need to realize the execution of um, your dreams, right? Specifically to realize it to your standards, you know, or, or to your visions, right? And Patience is not easy for any of us. And so Jupiter and Taurus going retrograde is also a great opportunity to be contemplating how we might want to resource ourselves, you know, while we cultivate that patience, right? Because as we work with um, whatever it is that's been frustrating for us that requires our patience, um, we often need a little bit of a break, right? We often need to speak to someone that we can trust, you know, to kind of offload or off gas, right? Or maybe we need to uh, swim in a lake that's nearby. Whatever it is that resources you and reconnects you to um, your sense of whole beingness, meaning connectedness with your body, connectedness with your mind, your spirit, and your environment, and this web of life that's always holding you, that often helps us get off the bandwagon of urgency that is taking us away from the slower process that is sometimes necessary in order for us to get to where we want to go, right? And so um, in terms of tarot archetypes, my sense is um, that this new moon in Virgo really kind of feels like two tarot cards. So if you have a relationship with a tarot, it feels to me like the Eight of Cups plus the Eight of Pentacles, right? There's that energy with the Eight of Cups of walking away from something that we're not um, really resonating with any longer, some, some roles, some relationships, some... Uh, contraption that has been holding us back and a walking towards the unknown, right? In the Rider Waite Smith uh, depiction, and I'm literally naming that, naming that card just because um, it's showing up in my mind right now, but you see this figure moving away from the stack of cups and the moon is witnessing this figure moving away from that stack of cups, right? Um, and there is a stability, you know, to the eight energy, right? The eight energy has this power, you know, has this force. And um, moving away is part of life, you know, and it's absolutely healthy. And sometimes all we need is to relax a little bit of our stories and our uh, narrativized grip around, um, around the stories, 
that we assign to this process of letting go in order for us to have more availability, right? Have more energetic um, availability to turn towards the thing that we want to tend to, you know, the things that we want to give our attention to, right? Um, you are really paving the path for your next stage here, you know? And I think with the Eight of Pentacles, how it's feeling for me is that part of this releasing process, especially the final few things that we are about to release before we pivot energetically here, is going to really assist us in the next part of our journey, right? That somehow this letting go has important, for lack of a better term, lessons for us that we can then carry over to starting the new thing, right? That in actuality, the letting go or the shedding is very much happening in tandem with the new cycle starting. That um, we can begin to allow ourselves, right, to relax our grip from the, the previous form by turning towards the thing that we are excited about the thing that we want to devote our attention to, and we can move to the next stage by releasing. You know, so it's not either or, right? It's a process that's happening kind of all at once. Um, the energy and the meticulousness with which you are shedding uh, your attachment to, to this situation that you are releasing or this pattern that you're releasing will really assist you in coming into your new chapter. You know, shedding can be really hard, right? Um, so in terms of gaining energy, I think that this new moon has a lot of support from Jupiter, from Uranus, and from Pluto, and all of them are retrograde this time, right? So what does that mean? I'm taking that as inspiration for um, the power of looking at evidence, right? When we are shifting from one state of being to another, when we're releasing one chapter of our adventure and entering the next, we enter this liminal space, right? We enter this in-between, and in the in-between, there can be a lot of um, uncertainty, you know? And so I think that the retrogrades are reminders that we can look backwards, right? We can um, take solace and cultivate strength from really looking at the ways in which we have shown up at times of change in the past and we have made it through, you know, or if we um, didn't completely make it through the way that we wanted to, right? That maybe some parts of that transition feel really difficult for us. Maybe we learned something from that, right? Maybe we cultivated some virtue or some skill or some framework, some knowledge. And I think it might be really supportive to really look at the past as a way to empower us to be in the present moment and to look towards that which we want to turn towards, right? Um, you know, one thing that I think can be really helpful is to 
you know, feel intuitively, right, into if there have been any situations or any events in the past where you regretted making changes, right? What changes or what shedding or what letting go are you still holding with the energy of regret in this moment? And my invitation is for you then to really sit with this part of yourself because there is intelligence, there's um, potency, there's medicine in that part that is hurting, right? And at the same time, you might also really want to sit with what changes or shedding or letting go felt really difficult while you were doing it or maybe even before you were doing it. But now looking back from the vantage point of this moment in time, you're deeply grateful that your younger self decided to do it, right? And you might want to retrieve this part of you, right, that was scared and to um, kind of maybe do a little inquiry, you know, but how did you gain that strength, right? It's interesting because I do think that we humans are very uh, social animals, right? Like this is extremely well documented. And so we really gain a lot from co-regulating with another human being. And also, um, there are older parts of us that are always accessible and always available for us to contact, right, to, to work with. And I think that it's very exciting to be doing a retrospective and allowing ourselves to connect with this older parts of us that may have done something that seemed completely impossible now looking back, right? Um, and one thing I will say is, and this is something I shared with um, some of the participants of Astrology as Praxis, which is uh, the year-long container for learning astrology that I, I've been facilitating for the past year that just ended. I was talking about the shift, right, from Virgo to Libra. Um, Virgo is a mutable sign and Libra is the cardinal sign. And I think when we're considering this shift between Virgo to Libra, there's something about um, how the decay of a particular form, right, is actually a way of releasing energy back into kind of this primordial void, right, that you know, the process that Virgo is doing, right? Like reorganizing things, maybe chopping things up into smaller pieces that can be, uh, you know, more easily carried around. Or, you know, I also think of Virgo as like maybe the act of um, preserving, right? Um, certain parts of our harvest over the summer. That this act that Virgo is doing with regards to um, preparing for the descent into the later part of the year has to do with um, swimming into, right? Allowing ourselves to deepen into this uh, energy, right, of, of Libra. Libra is a cardinal energy. And while Libra in pop astrology gets a lot of um, reputation for being you know, really focus on the aesthetics. And I think all of that is probably true as well. I do think that Libra has this ferocity, right? And it's the kind of ferocity where we break away from 
the shells that we've created to keep ourselves safe, you know, with Aries and with Cancer, um, we are very much focused on like the process of us, right? And Libra is where we break out of the shell and we embrace the wholeness of our experience. The wholeness of our experience, the truth of our experience is that we are uh, porous, right? We are porous beings and we are always in this interconnectedness with the rest of reality, with other people, right? And Libra recognizes that. And Libra recognizes that actually, maybe what's important is not just what I want, but this um, connective tissue, right? Between myself and the world around me that's always going to be present for as long as I am on this earth, which is going to be a very long time, maybe forever, right? Um, and and so with Virgo and the mutability, the releasing, the decay that is um, symbolized, as Austin mentioned in 36 Faces, um, symbolized by the sarcophagus, right? In many ways, releasing is a power move, right? Um, releasing is basically us saying, I trust in the energy that holds this form for up until this point, right? To be able to be released in its current format. And then perhaps later when the energy is correct, when, when the pressure is there and when the need is there to begin coalescing into a slightly new format, right? Like we know that the form that we're going to get later is not going to be the same, right? Thinking about Virgo coming from Leo and Libra moving into Scorpio, right? We know that the fixed form is not going to be the same, right? Leo and Scorpio are very different energies. And yet we're going to trust that in allowing ourselves to befriend the emergence of that moment, we are um, we are following a process that ultimately will lead us to um, the next thing, right? And the next thing is the right thing because the next thing is the only thing we have, really. So one thing that I will share about the new moon as a, as a kind of closing remark about the new moon here is to allow yourself to contemplate on your potential, right? So this is not just decay for the sake of decaying, right? It's not like this limp, um, you know, kind of unenergetic or disinterested decay process, right? This particular new moon feels to me like one where we are really uh, doing kind of a final push, right? And that requires a lot of energy and that may look really different for different people. But nonetheless, it requires a lot of energy. And so um, I want you to also make space for dreaming about the potential, right? And and you may not even have full access to the next version or the next chapter. And if that's the case, I would say that that's actually great because if you are too attached to what the next form will look like, you may be in many ways 
thwarting your own journey, right? Thwarting your own path because you are manufacturing um, something that isn't really supposed to go in that particular direction, right? The moment that our thinking mind considers or um, thinks that we know better, then we tend to be led astray a little bit, right? Or we're not so attuned to the moment-by-moment process of of becoming that we are currently engaged with, right? So rather than thinking too hard about the next version or the next format that you might be inhabiting, a more helpful reframe, at least for me personally, has been to really consider what frequency am I devoted to? Am I really serving? Am I holding in this moment, right? As I'm moving through change, what is my anchor? You know, and that anchor may be more of a frequency rather than an actual thing, right? Rather than an actual relationship, rather than an actual job, rather than an actual way of being in the world, rather than an actual title, right? You might want to look deeper into what is beneath the thing that matters the most to you. So let's say as an example, I'm going to use myself as an example. For a long time, being a musician, like holding the title of being a musician was really, really important for me. And as my life starts changing, I had to do this deeper work of really investigating what is the energy behind me wanting to be a musician? What is the deeper desire here? What is the deeper craving here? And what I'm learning from that process, right, is that I'm actually really deeply devoted to uh, the process of my creativity, for lack of a better term, right? And and how I define creativity is holding this balance between inspiration, which is essentially formless, and um, product or works of art, right? That That has a form, that has a tangibility that people can interact with, that people can benefit from, right? And I realized that what I really care about is the process of continuing to show up and to, when I'm lucky, get to be in that flow, right? And when I'm not, continuing to show up anyway. Like that is the thing that, that's the frequency that I'm really um, anchored to, tethered to, that I'm really serving, right? This this energy of devotion, this energy of... Um, trusting and honoring and embracing my process even if it doesn't lead me to the destinations that i or my thinking mind believes that i need to to arrive at right that me really tracking and really being with my process is what i'm what i'm here for you know it's kind of like the the thing that i'm that i care most about you know, being in this world. So you might want to contemplate on this a little bit, right? That's just an example that's coming from my own personal experience. But I think there's um, a, a, a du- duality, right? A kind of a both and thing going on here where, yes, you're releasing something, but what's going to really help you release that is to feel into what am I holding on to? You know, because every successful process of releasing requires deep grounding, 
requires deep anchoring, right? You can't fully release a particular process or a particular relationship if you're not also grounded in some sort of whole body, whole being understanding that wherever you're moving to next is going to be a welcome change, no matter how challenging it is, right? So um, I also want to talk a little bit about Mercury stationing direct, because to me, this is a really important point in um, in our transition from uh, August to September, right? Or, or maybe thinking about it from September, right? The conclusion of um, the Cancer, Leo, Virgo part of the year into the next stage, which is the Libra, um, Scorpio, Sagittarius part of the year, right? When Mercury station direct on Friday, we are officially out of retrograde season because uh, yes, the larger planets are still retrograde, but it's okay, right? They, they usually uh, are retrograde for about half of the year, give or take, right? So they stay in retrograde for a long time. There's kind of a sense that um, in terms of our lived experience, this then officially concludes this period where Venus is retrograde and answering to first the sun and then answering to Mercury, which then also goes retrograde, right? Which then creates this chain of uh, retrograde energy. So Mercury stationing direct is a, is a, is a shift, I think. And the energetic shift may take a while to be felt. Um, as I mentioned, Mercury will continue to move pretty slowly until the 24th, give or take. So there's about 10 days or so. Um, but I think we are going to start seeing a change in direction and a, a difference in terms of our felt sense of resources that are available to us, right? This is a great time if you've been thinking about learning something new. Mercury in Virgo is so profoundly um, supportive for us to not only start learning things, you know, Mercury is the patron saint of learning, is the patron saint of language, right? Is the patron saint of systems. Um, not only is Mercury in Virgo a, a great energy to be learning something new, it's also great because there's an element of integration as well. There's something about Mercury in Virgo that is more of like a tactile or experiential or almost like whole sense kind of learning, you know? Um, when I think about Mercury in Virgo, um, I often think about um, a classical violinist, you know, who's playing a really difficult concerto that, you know, has learned how to play not only all of the notes, but play them with expression, right? Play them with individuality. And also then do this task of uh, having a dialogue with the orchestra, right? There is um, an energy of um, fluency that I think is available when we begin a project or a learning process when Mercury is uh, in Virgo. And you may also be in a space where you are um, ready to share a project, right? Or 
to share an offering, or maybe you've been thinking for a while to share some offering, that this time I think may be a really interesting time to start at least trying as a practice, right? Rolling up your sleeves and starting to talk about it. Talk about it, um, you know, if you maybe have a platform or an email list or a podcast, start talking about it and seeing how you feel as you're talking about it. Allow the process to be part of you weaving the web that creates that project. There's something about Mercury being in Virgo that I think to me is really potent for uh, putting language back into its original function. I've been thinking a lot about how in the Western culture or in the paradigm that we're currently in, in the so-called West, right? We're so obsessed with using language as a weapon, as a tool to be able to deliver our message, right? To, to share something that's already solid within us and to have it land uh, with a certain level of uh, solidity, right? When I think, when when we look at many other cultures, a lot of other cultures consider language as um, a tool for exploration. That as you um, breathe, right? Even even thinking about um, the idea of inspiration, you know, being connected to spirit, spirit being connected to breath, right? There is something about receiving inspiration that has to do with collaborating with breath, right? So it's this um, other perspective that maybe is not so prevalent in our culture where the moment we allow ourselves to liberate our voice, to start speaking, even if we don't totally know where we're going with the thing that we are speaking to, that we might start to stumble upon something that is interesting or important to explore. And in the process of that real-time exploration, it gets us closer to the essence of the thing that we are desiring to get closer to, right? Whatever that may be. Um, and so... This may be a really interesting time to start putting language, to start exploring with language, playing with language around ideas that you have, around ways of being in relationship that you've always been craving, right? Around um, big moves that you want to initiate in your life. Maybe you've been thinking about changing your job for a while. Maybe you've been thinking about um, having a different kind of relationship right, romantically or plat platonically, this is a really interesting time to start mentally beginning to conceptualize, not for the purpose of crystallizing, right, not so that you can say, I'm going to live here forever, this is my manifesto forever and ever, but rather to start to be in process, to start to be in dialogue with whatever it is that you want to be inching towards. Um, and within a week, um, my sense is that things will start kind of moving in full motion. And at this time, though, I think we're really supported by the two other transits that are also present this week, right? So we have the Sun trine Uranus, which to me represents, um, it, it, it speaks to a reminder to be on the lookout for something exciting, right? For aud auspicious and audacious surprises. And some of these surprises 
for some reason, because they're both in earth signs, my sense is that they're either going to be very tangible and very literal. And there's also a possibility that they're extremely subtle because Uranus going retrograde, I think my sense of Uranus retrograde is that it kind of amps up this unpredictable unpredictability of the Uranian nature. And so um, you may want to just dilate your attention or at least allow yourself to become energetically available to feeling into um, what what surprises are coming up here. What, what may want my attention or what wants my witnessing. And then Venus square Jupiter um, in Leo and Taurus, to me, is such a fertile soil. Squares are often considered uh, hard aspects, but this one just feels so sexy to me. Something I've been thinking about with regards to squares is that squares correlate with friction, right? It's not just um, hardship for the sake of hardship, but there is something about um, squares that that have has to do with some element of um, oppositional forces or forces that aren't quite gelling, bringing a certain level of dissonance that can be really exciting, especially when harnessed with intention. And when we um, approach it with a with a, a spirit of experimentation. So one image that's kind of coming to my mind as I'm thinking about this Venus square Jupiter um, configuration is tango, right? When you look at tango, there is this kind of really sexy like push and pull, you know, between one dancer and the other, right? And they often embody such different energy. And from what I'm understanding, I am not a tango dancer. There's kind of the, the one person who is leading, right? The other person who's following, but the following one is just as powerful, if not more powerful than the one who's leading, right? There is kind of that uh, inherent tension going back and forth between the two people. This is that kind of transit to me. There is a creative energy to Venus square Jupiter. There is a flirty energy. There is kind of this invigorating tension. And this may show up for some of you romantically. And it doesn't have to, right? Like it can also be in terms of your relationship with the place you're living in. Maybe um, you're discovering a new restaurant, you know, or a new part of, you know, your neighborhood that you've never really explored before. So um, just as a final thing, I wanted to also pull a couple cards to anchor us into what we need to be working with or what we need to remember for this week. And I love the cards that came up because to me, it's so in resonance and in harmony with everything we've been talking about. So this is from the tarot. And um, I may also share the pictures and you can find the link on the show notes below. But um, one card is the Divine Masculine or um, also the Emperor card from the She-Wolf Tarot and the other one is the Nine of Swords, right? The Emperor card is often associated with exercising our power, right? Exercising our agency, exercising the part of us that's so potent. And the Nine of Swords 
correlate with fears, it correlates with anxieties, it correlates with mental stories that we've created that perhaps amplified um, our experience in kind of a not so pleasant way, right? And perhaps slightly unnecessary, but also holds some sort of intelligence. And so thinking about the Emperor card showing up with the Nine of Swords, and it was very clear that these two cards want to be showing up together, it really feels to me like um, there's an invitation here to look at our fears, look at our anxieties, look at the things that feel so big for us, and yet it feels irrational, right? And to allow ourselves to bravely explore those crevices, right, that feel a little scary, those corners in our internal and even maybe external reality, um, within reason, obviously, and within your own window of uh, tolerance or within your uh, edge, right, whatever you want to call it, to really explore those parts of you that feel like, ooh, that's a little scary here, to really take a risk and see where that takes you, right? And I think um, I just feel really compelled. I know there's a lot of tarot cards that I'm speaking to here, but I feel really compelled to also say that intuitively I feel like the full energy can be really helpful too. You know, there's something about the naivete, the innocence of that full energy combined with all of these different energies that are present for us, that are anchoring us, that can um, assist us in moving through the really exciting turn of events that we are looking at. You know, uh, the other day... Um, I was just playing around with ChatGPT and just, you know, thinking about different names for books that I might write. This is obviously uh, an imaginal book, right? <laughs> but um, an idea that ChatGPT ended up coming, you know, ended up giving me is Eyes on the Edge. And I just really liked that, <laughs> that title. I was like, ooh, that's a very sexy title, you know, like eyes on the edge, right? There's something about giving ourselves permission to um, have one one foot in and one foot outside the door and letting ourselves be shifted by being in this liminal space. So I'm wishing you such a beautiful week ahead of you. Thank you for your time. Thank you for your attention. Thank you for allowing yourself to co-create the space for yourself as you're walking your path. And I'm just excited to hear what comes up. Feel free to share your experience um, on social media along with this episode if that feels resonant to you or um leave a review on any of the podcast app that you are using. Um, specifically, I believe Apple Podcasts can take reviews. Literally four or five sentences are enough, right? I think one thing that I'm always coming up against when I'm about to leave a review for my favorite podcast is like, oh, I need to write this long review. That's not true. It can be very short and it will be very helpful to hear how your experience has been, you know, and especially if you are really enjoying this podcast, I encourage you to do that as your review and your five-star rating will really help in um, 
for this work to be able to find the people who can resonate with this. All right. Thank you so much. And um, I am sending you gentleness and kindness and so much love. Take care. And I look forward to seeing you next time. Thank you.